Hello and welcome to the You Matter to Christ podcast. Many of our listeners and guests call this podcast an experience because throughout the variety of extraordinary people we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business goals, people forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. On this show, you'll hear from professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and everyday people from all walks of life. Discover the profound truth that regardless of your background or circumstances, you matter deeply to the creator of the universe. You were made for a purpose, and you matter to Christ. Get ready for inspiring stories, personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ. Hey everybody, Chad Burmeister, and I'm your host of the Living a Better Story podcast. I am here today with Brett Meyer, who is from Impact Upgrade. It's impactupgrade.com. And he's been doing consulting with nonprofit organizations for the greater 15 years. And for the last couple has been launching Impact Upgrade. And I'm real happy to have him on the show today. So Brett, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Yeah, I think um, I think I heard you're from Indiana. Is that uh, it, it? Sounds like a cold place to me from the last time. <laughs> it I is. It is cold. Uh, although right now it's warm, but mostly humid and full of mosquitoes. But yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, I, to to help our audience get to know you, we like to kind of go back and rewind the tape to when you're younger, because what sure. I've found is that when you're six, seven, eight years old, is kind of when you're unfiltered, right? The world hasn't yet pushed you down a path or pulled you down a path. Um, right. What were you passionate about? What'd you love to do when you were six or seven? I was a six or seven. Let's see. I was, I was absolutely obsessed with Legos, which I guess clearly is fits into the engineering theme at least. Um, maybe two items that were kind of sound like they contradict each other. I was also really into organizing things as well as, as well as like taking things apart. Um, I used to keep collections of just random electronics that stopped working that I took apart um, or just organizing collections of stuff, baseball cards, rocks, whatever. It wasn't so much about the stuff. It was more about our organizing it. There's something therapeutic about it. Um, so, so yeah, I, that was the, as most of it, Legos That's and organizing cool. things. <laughs> yeah, my son loved Legos, and then, and now he's going into engineering school, a car out of school of mines. Yeah. Um, what's unique about my son is that he also got into selling of the Legos when he was six at his sure. elementary school, and he even hired people and rode on the car manager. <laughs> <laughs> so I think he's going to be a unique person that combines the skills of an engineer. But also has the sales capability. Yeah, let uh let him know when he's out of college, we'll hire him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've heard that a few times now. Uh, that's awesome. So thinking about the Legos, obviously we've kind of already answered that question because sure. there is something to that organizing and 
you know, my son, it's like, yeah, show me the directions. I need to understand the rules right. of the game so that I can play by the rules. And, uh, you know, and he, and he likes to set the rules sometimes too. Sure, sure. Yeah, um, absolutely. Tell us about, you know, you've, you've obviously, you know, from Legos to engineering school to what you're doing now as the founder of a company, um, everybody faces a, a challenge in life that's the gut punch. For you, what was what was a gut punch you're comfortable sharing, and how'd you get through it? Yeah, I I don't know if it's one big gut punch. Punch is probably more a series of small punches. But for me, um, when I was growing up, I was bullied constantly. I was uh, always facing that. Especially, well, maybe not so much in elementary school, but middle school was awful. Everybody hates middle school, but for me, it was especially bad. Um, that definitely in high school too. Um, and it was kind of a mix of not really fitting the mold, you know, focusing on school, not going along with the crowd. And so just there in and of itself, you kind of stick out. Um, so because of that, I faced significant bullying my entire childhood. And that really forced me to put a ton of energy into myself and a smaller group of friends. Um, it kind of developed this attitude of, it won't always be this way, or at least I hope it won't always be this way. Something better is coming. Um, and because of that, it kind of developed a pretty deep sense of being introspective and very introverted. Um, not, not isolated in kind of a selfish sense, but isolated in a, I don't have another choice sort of, <laughs> sort of way. So um, I think that really molded my way of thinking and how I carry myself currently. That's pretty cool. Um, I remember there was a girl in sixth grade who ended up being a six-time Olympic gold medal swimmer, Amy Van Dyken. And and I remember the teacher pulled us aside one day and had that conversation and said, hey, you guys are kind of like the nerdy kids right now. And, and that's okay. You see those people over there who are really popular in sixth grade? they're probably not going to be as popular when they're older in life. Right. At the time I was like, huh, you know, and now you look back and I've been fairly successful and Amy certainly married the former punter of the Denver Broncos and, <laughs> and she's been uber successful. And uh, it's interesting because I think a lot of people live through those times in life. Right. Well, I definitely missed out on the athletic spin <laughs> of that. <laughs> However, I, you know, especially growing up in a small town in Indiana, the uh, there's kind of this period now that you look back and and realize that the the being popular then had absolutely no bearing whatsoever on. I hesitate to use the word success, but um, what reality looks like long term and. Um, yeah, it's, it's just been an interesting journey to be on. Mm, that's cool. Um, what about your passion now, right? We talked about sure. younger, but now when you're helping, like how did you get into helping nonprofits? Uh, it's yeah. not something I would normally, you know, think about as a business. So how did, how did that happen? Yeah, and I, you know, I, we talk about those challenges and I can kind of see how it queued up queued up the way that I think about work, the way that I think about the world and kind of my focus areas. And I've been seeing a lot about how the world is finally waking up to the fact that business owners, successful people, whatever, don't have to be that stereotypical extrovert, the, 
the people person wearing a nice suit. Um, frankly, I work at home. <laughs> Just be happy I'm wearing a shirt. <laughs> but you, you know, there, there's that that concept of the the extroverted, smiling people person as the the epitome of this the the business owner, the successful person. And I, I we're finally waking up to the fact that there's a lot of awesome stuff that's being done by introverted, quiet people. Um, and I think what, what it queued up for me is that I'm just as happy being really heads down and working on something independently as I am necessarily being out in public. Like I can turn this on uh, when I have to. Frankly, sometimes it's a little exhausting, like you have to force yourself through it, but I'm just as content being behind the scenes. Um, you know, it, and it kind of forced me to be attuned to myself too and really focus on emotions and, and things that a lot of times people are so focused on just go that they miss everything internal. And that's, that certainly helped me. Um, but I, I think what cued me up for the nonprofit side is all of that uh, helped me define my value as a person is outside of myself. And it's, it's not necessarily what people think about me. It's not what, um, it's not even what I think about me. It's, it's my faith and my identity that's outside of myself. It's very external. Um, and that all, that all revolves around my, my value and my self-worth being focused on the kingdom and being fo focused on actually serving people. Um, so just with respect to industry, I mean, that's, it's just been kind of the sweet spot for me of being behind the scenes um, and being focused on serving others and, um, being okay with being the quiet behind the scenes person. Yeah, I love it. The man behind the curtain. Um, <laughs> so I see the watch on your wall behind there and I've never noticed this and maybe maybe this is a special door, but it looks to me like there's actually a cross on your door. Was that made specially or is that just how it is? That um, it wasn't made, well, I think, let's see. I mean, no, it's so I've got crosses elsewhere in my, my office, but no. <laughs> Yeah, we'll say it was intentional. Yeah, there you go. I mean, it's just, it's really jumping out at me and I love sure. it. I, I've got my intentional one here as well. So No, that is just more of the, our house is filled with 1990s pine woodwork. <laughs> that's more, more of what it is. Well, that's pretty cool. Um, so thinking about everything that you're working on right now, if you sure. could kind of snap your fingers and, and everything was just exactly as it should be, what would right. change in your business, in your, in your community, in your, anything, right? What, what, are, what would be amazing? Um, we, we are in a bit of season of growth. Um, we, we are already in a spot that I love being in where we are, what's kind of called making the, uh, making the complex simple. Um, we love being behind the scenes and serving people. Um, serving the individuals that are on the front line by freeing them up to focus on the important stuff. And the way that we've been doing that uh, in the last couple of years is very consulting heavy. Um, we do subscription services where we're entire tech and operations team and we'll continue doing that. That's been amazing. Um, but I think where we're headed is that we get satisfaction out of, again, making the complex simple. And we have a bit of a a sense of urgency right now just due to some of the problems we've seen recently and some of the really important missions that we think are vital to the world that are being impacted by those problems. 
so there's a sense of scale and urgency right now and we're very much headed more into the space of products uh, we've seen repetitious challenges come up over and over again um, and using this as an opportunity to hopefully help more missions while not also increasing the size of our company infinitely which is certainly a space we don't want to be um, so it's kind of this intentional growth not with respect to revenue or anything like that obviously we need to be sustainable um, but more about the the urgency and the scale that we see that we could help the kingdom through this work um, and and doing that more repetitiously and less just kind of one-on-one -on -one. It, it does feel more urgent than ever before i mean just sure. since the start of COVID, right is probably right. when the ticker started yeah it was like the great reset button in so many different respects yeah and you just sometimes have to shake your head and think, wow, how was everybody asleep for so many decades? <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it also started the stopwatch on people like you and the companies you serve that maybe they wouldn't have felt the urgency. So I always think like if things start pulling in one direction, the yin and the yang kicks in and says, wait a minute. Right. You can't let we can't let evil yeah. run away too fast because and it's been this uh, it's been this ground zero moment too where you see so many missions suddenly becoming very investment focused. Uh, we used to used to always hear the phrase "There's no such thing as a non-technical business." I think that's true in the nonprofit realm now. That gone are the days of having a box of index cards in the back of your office uh, being okay <laughs> and being being the scrappy nonprofit, everything is data-driven. Um, COVID reset, all the obvious stuff like communication and just general collaboration internally, but also how do you actually impact the world around you? How do you reach the people that need your services? Everything from the top to the bottom. Um, so it's kind of this, this perfect storm or this inflection point of all the practical as well as the actual strategic things all having to shift all right at the same time. Mm. Have you done any work? I, I assume the answer is going to be yes, because you do software engineering products, et cetera. Sure. Um, any cool mobile apps for companies that you've supported? We actually take a different span and we have replaced mobile apps. Um, prior to, prior to this company I worked for, um, a company called Twilio. If you've ever been picked up by a Lyft or an Uber, checked into an Airbnb, you get a text message. That all goes through uh, Twilio. And the teams that I oversaw were in the uh, in the messaging space. So SMS, MMS, I oversaw WhatsApp and a lot of other um, mm. uh, non-traditional uh, messaging platforms. We are seeing a fairly big shift and a lot of success to using messaging engagements instead of mobile uh, mobile apps. It used to be everybody thought you had to have a custom mobile app to be highly interactive. We've seen a lot of that shift in messaging strategies and really cool real-time experiences that you can do purely over text messaging. Wow, that makes perfect sense. So is there an example of one of those that, uh, that you're working with or, or have done work with? Yeah, we, um, there is a few anti-trafficking organizations that we've worked with for a long time. Um, that originally had mobile apps to do marketing, I hate to use the term marketing, but marketing experiences with respect to engaging donors in real time because they're so 
heavy into storytelling as they should be it's like the most incredible redemptive stories that you've ever heard and there's a really cool donor engagement strategy with that where if they're in a raid in thailand or cambodia or wherever they're serving um pulling the donors into that so they feel like they're a part of the mission and a part of the story as it's happening as it's unfolding they were originally trying to do that with a mobile app and we've since kind of peeled away at that and using more of an mms driven strategy so that you're getting text messages so you feel like you're literally a part of the the field operations team getting updates um it's a it's that real-time nature um it's it's harder to miss a message on your phone um, there's all these statistics that also show how uh, very unlikely a lot of people are to revisit a custom mobile app after they've downloaded it. Um, so it's just from an outreach perspective, it's been enormously valuable. Wow, that's really neat. I love to hear that. We're launching an app. It is a mobile app soon, but text messaging is a key piece sure. because every day it says, hey, share this. And they click on, it's called 77 Pray. And it teaches people, sure. hey, wake up in the morning, pray, go to bed at night, pray. And in between, act, right? And read a Bible. Right. And so they click a button, it pops up and it, it sends out, uh, hey, thought about you recently. I've been checking this app out. So every single day for 365 days a year, it encourages that. And then the value yeah. of the community gets better over time. So yeah, absolutely. It's very much this meet people where they are concept. And these days, I mean, kids are on social media as much as they used to be. They're all they're all on messaging platforms. That's where it seems like so much centers. So. Yeah, we met with Live Person recently. Been doing some work with them, and they said most companies they work with, you know, when they first go in, they have not implemented WhatsApp, and it's sure. so so important to meet them where they are. A lot of companies still say, here's the 800 number, call me. And they're right. wondering why their traffic is down to the 800 number. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, there's studies that even show that uh, baby boomers and older generations are online more frequently than younger generations are these days. And so I, strategies like that are just so valuable. So, so think about... Um, Someone recently did a talk and they talked about bricks and they said when they built New York versus New Jersey, New York had a better execution strategy, right? They probably had the similar sure. vision, but they executed. And the way they did it is said one brick at a time, right? Let's focus on bricks. And so it's really caused me to look internally at my businesses and my nonprofit and say, what's my brick? Have yeah. you defined you know, what's the brick for impact upgrade or, or have, when you work with your clients, you know, have, talk to us about the brick for you personally. A, that is an amazing analogy that I'm going to write down after this. You know, I, that influences everything that we do with our clients where, you know, we, we have strong opinions about certain things about where we want to see them a year from now of the, the end all vision of what we try to focus on is end to end automation um, with a lot of best practices and where we ultimately want to see you end up. But where we typically step in initially is, you know, it's untangling a mess that's been built for the last 20 years. And you have to look for those quick wins that provide value rather than disappearing for 12 months and quote, you know, gloriously reappearing when it's all finished. Um, so we look for that brick by brick mentality where you try to find, okay, this, 
this process that you're using is not 100% ideal. However, there are ways that we can help automate bits and pieces of that to at least free you up um, and kind of use that as a snowball uh, to get started. Um, and so for us, it's very much just a just get started mentality because otherwise you can sit and talk for weeks and weeks and weeks and years and years about what does the end vision look like. But if you don't put one foot out and actually get started, nothing happens. Um, so that's, that is the, the perfect analogy. Well, it's funny because speaking of foot, when you said one foot out, the example he gave in his talk was Foot Locker. And he sure. said that their sales were kind of flat. And then they invented the little uh, silver thing where you measure a foot, right? With sure. Sure. And so they taught all of the sales associates all around the country to measure. That became the brick. And sales went up immediately 78%. Yeah. Because think about it. Salespeople tend to come in and say, what are you looking for in a shoot? And they're right. like, well, you know, I'm looking to play basketball. Boom. Instantaneously, they're going to go show you the basketball shoe that the salesperson likes. Right. Not necessarily what the person wants. So right. I think by focusing on, you know, I'm just continually trying to say, what's the thing ahead of the outcome that is the brick, right? The building's the outcome. And then, you know, commerce going into the building is part of the outcome. But let's focus on what are those individual bricks that go into the building of the house. Yeah, and I the sales part of it is an interesting point too, that for us, our sales focus is consulting. It's a, we, we're not the pushy salespeople. I've been reading a few books recently about the, the power dynamics of sales. And it used to be that the salesperson had all of the power because they're the ones that had all the information. And obviously that is not the case. Now you walk, you try to buy a car. Everybody knows probably more than the, the salesman does at this point. And for us, that's a small part of it that uh, we're not here to just push a product on you because we know all the best practices. It is service and consulting through sales and that has been huge for us because A, it's something we truly believe in and B, it shows people what working with us would be like. It's not a pushing thing. It's a, it's an act of servitude. So you're giving away those bricks of, well, here's something to think about, or here's some other ways of doing it as a part of the sales process has been enormous for us. Got it. Excellent. Um, Let's ask the, the question that says, if you go back to when you tell yourself, you know, at age 20, hey, Brett, think about this. You know, what's the one thing you would tell your 20-year-old self? Man, I think a lot of it kind of comes back to, again, that background of dealing with bullying when I was a kid, becoming very introverted, and again, that is a benefit, but the detriment typically becomes that you isolate yourself too much. There's kind of this mentality of, I've been by myself before, so when a problem comes up, I'll be by myself and I'll fix it. Um, and that stifles your growth as a company because I'm, you know, I'm actively dealing with this right now of trying to pull myself out of the critical path and instead focused on my people and not just the problems and the firefighting. But it also really increases your stress and your anxiety. You're just internalizing everything. Um, 
I would have been a lot better off, especially in my 20s, if I would have sought after um, mentorship, allowed people to help me and not been in this mentality of I will figure this out. Um, it's still something I struggle with, but definitely in my 20s, it was even worse. Mm, that's, that's a good one. Well, hopefully someone in their early 20s are listening to this podcast. <laughs> And, uh, you know, reach out, get a mentor. Uh, yeah. you know, I've gone through dozens of mentors now. And it's like five years ago, I wouldn't have really thought of seeking out a mentor. Now it's like, no, no, it's right. very helpful sometimes. Absolutely. Um, last question for you today, Brett, is what role does faith play in your journey? We've touched on it, but I still like to ask the question. Yeah, it is. Um, it's everything. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's the very definition of who I am. I know we talked about that a little bit earlier, but um, it's the definition of what I do currently. And it's also the definition of where I'm going. Um, I come back to this, this thought of without it, what's the point? Um, everything about me, everything about our company should solely glorify Christ and focus on the ultimate kingdom that we're serving. Um, I'm a I'm a big fan of Ecclesiastes, I, especially these days, I've been rereading it over and over again. And it's kind of this concept of uh, meaningless, meaningless or vanity of vanities, which it turns out isn't a good business motto, <laughs> but it's a good, it's a good internalization process of um, that we are nothing without our faith and that we already have everything. We have everything that we need. Our role to play right now is to impact the kingdom and to point all glory back to him. And that's it. So we're, we're at this season of life for my wife and I have really been looking mostly backwards to see all the different things that we've been put through in our journey that have led up to preparing us for something that is outside of ourselves. Without that, I don't, I don't know where I'd be right now. Man, I'm, I'm in the process of writing a kid's book and in the, prep for writing the book I have a ghostwriter that's actually great at it and it was really the intent is how do you make good choices so I asked my mom who's made good choices I asked my business partner who's made good choices and you start to ask all these people and you realize everybody has a different mold for making a decision in life so we had Dr. Jim Wilder over who's a neurotheologist to the fire pit one day Hmm. I said hey I'm writing this book like you know what would you tell me and he, he gave us all kinds of amazing things about God and just his, his belief structure. That, it wasn't there when he was a kid. His, his parents sure. were missionaries. But then he prayed 30 days in a row with him and a friend, and they compared notes every day. And they said, hey, if, if God gives us the same message, then we'll believe. And it was like almost word for word every day. <laughs> he was like, okay, got you. I hear you now. We're, we're here. And, um, but he told me about in the Old Testament, there's 613 uh, laws about so to make a decision between two choices. Sure. Very hard, right? <laughs> like right. it would be infinity. Right. So he said, so I said, so what do you do? And it, and it was two things. One is it's the, what would Jesus do? What would God do? So got it. Okay. Right. It's a higher level authority than just me and my brain trying to make it. Right. This one, I think might give you something to think about with you and your wife. And it was how do you, how will this decision, how do I optimize this decision for the history of time, for the end of time? Right. So if you think about 
like where you're putting your time, talent and efforts and money and all of it in to get the maximum yield for thousands of years from now. It causes you to think, well, shoot, I've typically been optimizing for the next 50 years or 10 or one, (laughs) two weeks. But if you optimize for eternity, how does that change? And so it's made me think, wow, I'm playing in way too small a game. God's yeah. given 30 years of, of business understanding. Let's go figure that out. And you're already playing that with impact upgrades. I mean, it, you're exactly in that line. Right. So kudos to you for where, where God's taken you. Uh, it's well, there's this, I don't know. Do you ever read Randy Alcorn? He's got this, uh, this book called heaven. It's, I mean, it's really thick, but it's, kind of talking about that like how biblical it actually is to invest in yourself for eternity um and not just right now a lot of people think that that sounds selfish like you're you're focusing on making your mansion or whatever better in heaven by whatever now and but there's there's biblical truth in that and it's a really interesting way of thinking about um if you had this massive opportunity in front of you or you could just take the path of least resistance and get a small win right now, which would you choose? And not enough people think of it like that. Yeah, that's great. Well, cool website, cool, cool product. Um, Amazing story that you've shared uh, from Legos to now. So (laughs) I, uh, there's hope for my son. He'll, uh, (laughs) if he can be on the path that you're on, that'll be a great thing. Uh, Whatever God has in store for him. Um, amazing conversation, Brett, Brett Meyer with Impact Upgrade. It's impactupgrade.com. Uh, thanks for investing some time to share with our audience today. Really good to get to know you today, Brett. Thank you very much for having me. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining the Living a Better Story podcast. We'll catch you on the next one. Thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope, purpose, and the knowledge that you matter to Christ.